So, as I was holding my wife's hand, oh so tenderly, I might add, <laughs> that's a joke from our class, uh, I noticed something that's very interesting. One thing is her hands are smaller than mine, almost coming down to this part right here. And they're quite chilly. That is a difference. I want everybody here to look at your hands. Just look at your hands. Lift your hands up. Let other people see that you have hands. God made some pretty amazing things, didn't he? The hands. But not all hands are the same, are they? As I made you aware, my wife's hands are much smaller than mine, and that's probably indicative of all of our husband-wife relationships, or most of them. They're different. Some hands are smooth. Some hands are calloused. Some hands are, I don't know, wrinkled. Other hands are, you get my point. We all have different hands. Your hands are not my hands. And my hands are not your hands. We have different hands. But if we look at our hands, they tell a story. They tell a story. And metaphorically, that story tells us about our life. Our life. The lesson is called, if I change it to the lesson, hands. The lesson is called hands. The hands of Jesus. Worn hands and handy hands. So let's look at, first of all, the hands of Jesus. Jesus had some hands, didn't he? He had some hands. How often did Paul go to various cities appreciating the kind hands that Jesus had for him? Where some, if not many, did him harm. Even after Philippi, he felt more angry and abusive hands against him. Acts chapter 16. But among those who followed Christ, Paul received some loving hands. Listen to the voice of the one who shared kind hands with Paul. Now, one thing I noticed that I did, in my hands, I forgot to get my Bible. So in Luke chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 11, it reads this way. Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. It looks like I found a King James Version Bible. I haven't read that one in a while. We have a friend in Jesus, don't we? We have a friend in Jesus, don't we? 
I have talked to many, even here, who have gone through very difficult times in their life. I am aware of your struggles, or many of your struggles. Bill's not a fond of the King James, evidently. Thank you, Bill. Your struggles have become my struggles, and my struggles have become your struggles. Loss, depression, aggression, sickness, but you are here today. Why? Why are you here today? It's because maybe you understand the value of faith in God. Faith to remain strong in this life, even though there are tremendous challenges heading your way. I've seen Jesus' hands reach out to others, and I know you have too. Family, friends, neighbors. Sadly, there are many people who say, I don't want Jesus' touch. I don't want to touch, have Jesus touch me. Don't touch me, Jesus. I blame you for my life. It's not going well. It's not going great. You didn't take care of me, and I reject your touch. We look at our hands, and our hands do a couple things, don't they? They work, but they also have compassion. Jesus has compassion for people, even people who think or want to reject him. But the reality is Jesus didn't promise a lack of suffering. Not even for people who didn't choose him. All people are going to suffer. But those who pursue faith in him will recognize what? We have a friend in Jesus. We have a friend in Jesus. A friend whose hands we can count on. So while in Corinth, Paul did what he always did. He preached about the hands of Jesus. Or in other words, the gospel message, right? The truth of salvation through Jesus Christ, the risen Savior who suffered pain and death. And I bet he had a hard week every once in a while too. Who here has had a great week? You can raise your hands. That's okay. I don't mind great weeks. All right, we have some great weeks. Who here has had a horrible week? All right. Gail, if you don't know, has had a horrible week. Who here has had a mediocre week? Humdrum. All right, we got those too. We have those kind of weeks. But Paul sometimes had a bad week too. Many opposed the message of Christ and took Paul before government officials. We saw that in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, a very powerful chapter to me. And now in Corinth, he's before a tribunal. What did Jesus already say to him? No one's going to touch you here. 
No one's going to touch you here, but he's before a tribunal. And thankfully, what do we see? God kept his promise. If you can count on anything, I want you to count on this. God has never not kept his promise. He has always kept his promises. Thankfully, God kept his promise with Paul, and he was released. Boy, Jesus sure knows how to keep his promises. My question to you is, do you know how to keep your promises to Jesus? You see, Paul had a friend in Jesus, and Jesus wants to be your friend as well. The second point, worn hands. Jesus said there were many people in Corinth who were his people. Acts chapter 18, verse 10. Does this mean Corinth had many followers of Christ already? Or is he speaking kind of futuristically to what he knows that there will be many people who will turn to him? Probably both. Either way, after his time in Corinth, Paul left. He completed his mission there. But he stayed connected with the Corinthians. These Christians who later had some major struggles. First, first and second Corinthians talks about it. They had some major struggles. Division within the body became something they were known for. How many people here want to be known as Flagler Church of Christ Division Church? I don't think that's a healthy thing to be known for. But the Corinthian church was known for that. They were known for it. Sometimes it's sad when I hear people talk about their family. I hadn't talked to such and such in about two decades for whatever reason. For whatever reason, they were unable to solve the issue. Anyone here ever dealt with divisive people? You don't have to raise your hands on that, but you can. Maybe a lack of healthy communication was the problem. Have you ever expected people you talk with to get it the first time? Now, you can raise your hands on that one. I've done it. And if they don't get it, you end up dealing with them poorly. That type of communication is not realistic. It can cause a lot of struggle because just the fact that people just don't always get it and they need a good reminder. But we all can do it to various degrees, but we have to be careful and we have to have the right heart. We have to know the heart of the other person. Because that might end up in some families as, I haven't talked to him for two decades. So as Paul talked, shared, reshared, and shared again the gospel message of Christ, I imagine he may have wrung his hands a few times, don't you? Uh, I already taught them all that, and they're not getting it. Or they got it and... You see, they separated into their own cliques, as Owen read this morning. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be unified in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except, and then he goes on into a list. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, probably like Apollos had, for he was very, very gifted. And he's not putting down Apollos. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The eloquent wisdom shows the grandiose abilities of the speaker and maybe how he fashions it. But the gospel of Christ shows the truth. Shows the truth. Did you notice the argument Paul used to show with whom we should have or be in unity with? The argument is in Christ's crucifixion and his instructed baptism. Did you see that? That's the unifying factor to stop the cliques. Were you baptized into Paul? No. Did, did Paul, Apollos die for you? No. Cephas being one of the twelve was not Jesus Christ. What's he trying to tell us? There should be no cliques. It should be all under one name, Jesus. So Paul reiterates that. He explains that to him. Isn't that part of our teaching? And this discussion for these Christians continued in the discussion of needed unity. A unity built on love. That is the love of Christ, 1 Corinthians 13. Another powerful word within that. Now, your hands may feel a little worn. Anybody have arthritis? Anybody smash a hammer a few times and you just feel the aches and pains? I was talking to Bill the other day or yesterday, and all I could hear besides Bill was the panging of these pipes or something. Bang, bang, bang. And I'm like, I hope that's not because he's talking to me. <laughs> Get out that frustration. But are you worn? Are your hands worn because of your agenda? Or are they worn because of God's agenda? Our agenda may focus on good things. We talked about Mary and Martha, didn't, didn't we? Martha... It's not bad to take care of your guests, to work hard, to have that personality. That's a biblical thing, and it's a godly thing. But will you destroy a healthy body to serve your agenda? And not look at the bigger picture. 
Or will you figure out a way to communicate, assist, maybe lead people in charge or lead the charge? Any issue, any issue, you can argue with me afterwards. I don't care. I do care, but I don't care if it's a good issue, a bad issue, a biblical issue, a home issue, or whatever. They all cause stress. Every single one of them cause stress. But the only one that causes stress that really matters is the one that's divine. It's God's agenda that matters. See, divisive people want things their way. And I'm speaking about the Corinthians, aren't I? See, this is who Paul had to deal with on his journeys in Acts. Even among Christians we have problems, though in Christ it is not supposed to be about our way, is it? It's not supposed to be about our agenda. It's supposed to be about his agenda in the right concept. So we wring our hands because we struggle with what? You? With you, with you, with you, with me? Maybe it's partly that. But maybe it's really with what God wants. Do we struggle with the issues in life because we're trying to put one issue above another? Which issue is the most important? Sosthenes was a recipient of divisive hands. He's talked about in Acts chapter 18, verse 17. At first, he opposed Paul in Corinth. Since he couldn't win, many of his friends, quote-unquote, beat him. I think he was the head of the synagogue, and they beat him. You know, I'm not the head of the church here, so you can't beat me. They were divided because of the truth of Christ. Acts 18, verse 17. And they all seized Sosthenes, a ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galilee paid no attention to the situation. You see, they were wringing their hands because they opposed Christ. You see the agenda difference? They were wringing their hands in frustration because they opposed Christ. The third point is called handy hands. We got some handy people here, don't we? Hebrews 10.31 says this, It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. But we are Christians. We have passed from death into life. We are no longer under that judgment situation. But guess what? That doesn't stop our personal struggles. Can you turn to God when things are going bad? Yes, any time of the day, night, moment. Can you reach out to fellow Christians, 
Maybe you're going through hard times, but somebody doesn't know it. Reach out to them and say, hey, I need a hug. I need some tenderness. Or maybe you know somebody who's going through something. Reach out to them and say, hey. You might not even have to say a word. Just be there. Can you read the word of God and gain strength and understanding and faith when you're going through hard times? I don't know any better place. And I challenge everyone here to continue in that commitment. See, our goal is to unify around Christ and His message. And don't forget, if you don't know already, He's aware of your needs. He already knows them all. He's waiting for you to see if you'll acknowledge them. Handy hands are not necessarily the most gifted hands. They're the hands that are the most willing. They're the hands that are the most willing. They're hands that do the best they can for the body of Christ and their community at large. In Corinth, the body of Christ was blessed with many gifted hands. 1 Corinthians 12 that is, they were blessed with various spiritual gifts, miraculously. But some of these gifts were used as a divisive tool. Kind of goes back to my point I made earlier. The agenda thing. My hands are better than your hands, they might say, but they would say it in this way. My spiritual gift is a little bit better than yours. I'm right here, buddy. Yeah. Look at me. You just stay in the back and keep quiet. But where did their spiritual gifts come from to begin with? God. Sometimes we expect leaders to be gifted with everything. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to be sitting and waiting for a long time to find one. One thing for sure is they all have personal quirks and struggles just like you do. You can refer to my wife for any particular quirks you might be interested in finding out. But you may know them already. <laughs> I kind of blow it out there, don't I? You see, we forget they may not have God's gift like yours. They might have to really work at it because it's not as natural. No excuse. But it's not as natural as we talked about with tenderness. Definitely a gift, but for us men, maybe not as natural. You see, God's hands, hold them up there again, folks. Hold up your hands. God's hands are your hands. God's hands are your hands. 
together. We are God's handy hands if we are willing to use them with his agenda in mind. We come to the end of 1 Corinthians. It's beautiful. He goes through all that divisive material that they're dealing with. And he brings up a big point. The same thing we talk about every Sunday. The resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. If you're having a bad day, have you ever thought about the resurrection? If you're having a day where you've lost somebody, have you ever thought about the resurrection? If you're having a day when you're just struggling with life, it's not going great at work, can't pay the bills this week, have you ever thought about the resurrection? Have you ever gone through a sickness? I bet you have thought about the resurrection. You see, whatever our situation in life, the circumstances that hit us, the resurrection of Christ is real. It's real. Christ died, suffered, humiliating. He had a bad week. And probably quite a few. But his death turned to life. His death turned to life. What's going to happen to you who are in Christ? Your death will turn into life because of Christ. And because Christ rose, we who are in him will rise as well. And I don't know if you're having a bad day and you think about the realities of this world compared to eternal life. I'm telling you, that's a flip of the switch. Boom! I'm going to rise and go to heaven. And this will all be in the past. So remember the resurrection while you're going through difficult times. Paul knew these people. And he ends with the idea of remember the resurrection. I'm sure Paul had that on his mind constantly as he's wringing his hands in frustration. So look at your hands. Take a look at your hands throughout this week. Compare them with your spouse and remember this lesson. The lesson is entitled Hands. Handy hands. Hands of Jesus. We have a friend with Jesus. Worn hands. And that friendship should direct our hands in godly work. And then handy hands. A willing hand for Christ understands that God's hands are our hands.